We will never fully understand the Christian life until we first understand grace. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell helps us understand not just what grace is, but how to experience it. And listen, our forefathers got it right when they said, the Bible is the best of books. And ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God is infallible. It is inerrant. It is preserved. It is trustworthy. It is tried. It is true. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And you can trust the Word of God. Meditate in the Word of God. Life is full of opportunities to make mistakes, occasions to feel guilty, and the pressure to be self-sufficient. But this isn't how God intended the Christian life to be. In our series, Portraits of Grace, we will discover what it means to receive a second chance from the Lord. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. Today, we will learn more about Bible characters who were portraits of God's amazing grace. No matter your circumstance, God's sustaining grace will help you when you need it the most. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chappell with part one of a message called, Grace to Go On. Every once in a while, you come to a place in your life where you feel like you're at a crossroads. You wonder if you're going to be able to successfully move ahead, and you even sometimes may doubt why God brought you to that place. Sometimes it happens on the battlefield as well. We read about such a time in in our history books, in the history of the United States of America, during the Revolutionary War in 1776. Washington was out on Long Island. He was there with 8,000 troops. He was fighting against General Howe, the British general who had some 30,000 troops. It looked as though Washington would be defeated. If Washington was defeated, the hopes of the revolution would be dashed. And yet God did something that day that even unsaved historians say was providential in its manner. You see, Washington was allowed to escape by boat across the East River, over to Manhattan, and up into the northern parts of New York. This was only made possible because of several providential interventions that were recorded by the historians. First, there was a storm for 24 hours that caused the British Navy to be held at bay and unable to block the evacuation of Washington's troops. Secondly, during the time of the storm, the waters remained relatively calm so that Washington's troops were able to cross in a number of small boats. In the morning, when the remaining regiments had still not crossed over, a thick fog came down over the Americans, allowing them to escape what would have been certain doom. It seemed as though when all else was gloomy, God intervened and God made a way. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God can still make a way in your life. God can make a way in your Sunday school class. God can make a way in our city and God can make a way in our nation. Joshua chapter one shows the children of Israel at a crossroads. They had come to a very pivotal moment in their history, for the Bible records that Moses, the servant of God, was now dead. And I suppose that if we would have been there, if we would have been alive in 1405 BC, living with these hundreds of thousands of Jewish people on the eastern side of the Jordan, it would have been very disconcerting indeed to think that Moses was dead. Moses was the one who stood before Pharaoh. 
Moses was the one who had called down the 10 plagues from heaven. Moses was the one that had thrown down a rod and it turned into a snake and he picked up the snake and it turned back into a rod again. Imagine the feeling that came across the people's hearts as these words were pronounced, Moses, my servant is dead. And I suppose they would have asked the same types of questions that we would ask. Well, who will lead us now? Will he follow God? Will God bless his life? Will he have God's leadership and anointing like Moses did? This morning, I want you to learn three lessons with me on this day about God's grace to go on. No matter what the crossroads you may be facing today, no matter what you might be wondering about tomorrow, God will always give us grace to go on for his glory. And there's three truths that I want to remind you of this morning as you face these times of crossroads in your life. The first truth that we must remember is the calling of God. We must remember God's calling upon our lives. I think of every graduate of high school, God has a calling on their life and the devil's gonna try to pull them back. I think of every one of us this morning in this room. How many of you in this room this morning can say, I remember when I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. Let me see where you are this morning. And so you understand that with that salvation came a purpose for living. God doesn't just have us here biding time, building houses and building airplanes. He's got a greater purpose for our life. And that is to glorify him in this world. And all of us must learn what Joshua learned, and that was that God had a calling on his life. Now, this calling came at a very difficult time for him. Notice in verse 1, now after the the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. It comes at this time after 40 years of leadership by this one man, a man that had been spoken to by a burning bush that didn't burn. It wasn't destroyed. A man that brought the plagues, a man that gave the 10 commandments to Israel. The Bible tells us about that. It's in your notes, Exodus 34, 28. And when he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, he did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant and the 10 commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Imagine that. Moses is up here at Mount Sinai 40 days and 40 nights. He comes down after being with God. He doesn't even realize his face is shining, declaring the presence of God in his life. I'm telling you, Moses was an amazing, amazing man. God had used him in an incredible way. But while God wants us to be grateful for the past, he does not want us to live in the past. God wants us to press on serving the same God in the same way that our forefathers served God. And so for the children of Israel, he had a plan. And he has a plan for all of us. That's why Paul said in Philippians, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing for those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not going to rest on the things of yesterday. I'm going to press forward. I'm going to move forward. And so it was for the children of Israel. It was during a difficult time that the call came. But notice, secondly, it came to a dedicated man. The Bible says, Joshua, the son of Nun. Now I want you to notice this this morning. God chose a man. God chose a man. And that's his method. 
God did not choose a machine. God did not choose a denomination. God did not choose a committee. When God wants to move his agenda forward, he's going to call out men and women who will be faithful servants of his. And God called Joshua. And I believe God is calling some of you men, not just to be spectators, but to be participants. Not simply uh, to be a part of something in the generic general sense, but to get involved with our shoulder to the plow, uh, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. God chose a man. You see, the Bible says, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is judge. He putteth down one and he raiseth up another. Now, I don't know if you study leadership or if you're just curious like I am sometimes, but I often wonder, why did God choose this man? There were hundreds of thousands of men. Why did God choose Joshua? And I want to give you a couple reasons. I want to give you a little snippet of his resume. I want you to notice, first of all, that Joshua was a proven man. He was a man that had been proven by God. In Exodus 17, when the children of Israel were fighting the Amalekites, God says that Joshua discomfited. That means he destroyed the Amalekites. He had been a faithful soldier in the army of God. And what I have learned, when God promotes a man, when God calls a man, he normally calls a man that's already doing what he can. He's serving to the best of his knowledge and ability. Noah was walking with God when God called on him to save his generation. Joseph was serving as a steward, as a servant, when God called him to ultimately lead in Egypt. Moses was tending to the flocks of his father-in-law when God called him, and and, uh, David was simply a shepherd boy when God called him to be the king of Israel, and Elisha was plowing in the fields when God called him to preach, and Peter, James, and John were fishing at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men, and I think of Paul and Barnabas. They were church members in the church at Antioch when the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I I've called them to do. I'm saying that as you get involved in church attendance and Bible reading and adult Bible class, don't be surprised if God taps you on the shoulder to be an usher, to be a soul winner, to be a coach in the Little League, to sing in the choir. God is still looking for Joshua's because God's method is not an organization. It's not a denomination. He calls men to do his work. You go to the average church today, you can't find men in the choir. You can't find men serving in the church. You can't find them serving as ushers. You can't find them giving tithes and offerings. You can't find them. Why? Men have gone AWOL in the Christian faith. And we need men who will stand up like Joshua and be counted on for God. Joshua was a dedicated man of God. What a tremendous blessing. Let me give you a little hint about Joshua. Do you remember when Moses sent 12 spies into the land? He said, I want you to go see what it's like over there. And look what Joshua wrote in Numbers 14 and 8, what he said. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it, give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Now, you recall the story, the 12 spies went in, but only two of them believed like Joshua. Joshua said, if the Lord is with us, he'll give us this promised land. He'll give us that wonderful area that is now known as Jerusalem and now known as the Sea of Galilee and uh, all these different areas that we can think about from from, uh, Beersheba all the way up in the south, all the way up to the north. He says, God can give us the fertile plains of the Jordan. If God is with us, nothing can hold us back. Now, there were only two 
two men that believed that way. The other ten were pessimists, but there were two men, and their names are Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. We don't remember the other guys' names because you never remember the name of a loser. You never remember the name of a critic. You never remember the name of a pessimist. But you remember the names of Joshua's men of faith who stand up and say, I'm going to serve my generation. I'm bringing my kids to church. They're not bringing me to church. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be counted for God. I'm simply saying Joshua was a proven man. But then also we see that Joshua was a servant. You see, God looks for men who are humbly doing their, their part, who are serving, and he taps them for service. Notice what it says in verse uh, number one once again. He says, Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister. You see, the measure of a man's greatness is not how many people serve him. It's how many people he serves. Joshua was a servant. Joshua didn't have this millennial attitude of, well, if they don't give me mine hours, I quit. I don't do windows. I don't do this. I don't do that. Joshua did whatever in the world Moses needed done. A true servant's heart is willing to serve in whatever areas God opens up. And Joshua had a servant's heart. The Bible says in Matthew 23, 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall be humble uh, himself shall be exalted. And so through the difficult times, God called a dedicated man, a man that was willing, a man that was involved, a man that had faith, a man that was a servant. And I tell you this morning, God is looking for Joshua's in this generation. Then notice it was a difficult time, a dedicated man, but there was a directed purpose that was given to him. Notice in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. God said, Joshua, as a military general, here are your marching orders. He said, I want you to go over into this land that has been given. And ladies and gentlemen, we have been given our marching orders. And our marching orders have also come from God. They have come from the captain of our host. They have come from who we say is our Lord. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he has given us our marching orders. And they may be found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28 in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teaching all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And, and lo, I am with you always, Jesus said, and we're to teach them to observe all things uh, whatsoever he has commanded us. Our Lord Jesus Christ has given us our marching orders, our purpose as a church. And someone might say, boy, Pastor Chapel is always emphasizing missionaries and always emphasizing knocking on doors and always uh, emphasizing getting the gospel out. And, and, and when is that going to stop? It's never going to stop as long as we're obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are not suggestions. Jesus said, I, I command you to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My responsibility is not to lower the standard of our Lord. It's to hold the standard high. Jesus is the one who told us, I, I have a purpose for you. And for Joshua, he was to claim the land. But for us, we are to claim this valley, this area, and our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we must remember our calling. Why are we here? What has God called us to do? God didn't call Joshua to sit on the bench and complain. God called Joshua to make leadership happen. And God has called us to reach our community with the gospel of the Jesus Christ 
And I say to you this morning, every time you fill out a tithe check, you ought to say, thank God I'm a part of a soul-winning church getting the gospel out. Every time we're singing with the choir, we ought to say, sing it choir. And every time the altar call is given, you ought to be praying, Lord, help somebody else to come and know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Why? That's our purpose. Our purpose is to throw the net of the gospel and see people come to Jesus Christ. But notice, secondly, not only did Joshua have a calling, but we must secondly remember God's provision. Sometimes when it comes to this calling, we might feel like, how can we do these things? But notice what the Bible says in verse 3. God speaking to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now, one thing we want to remember is that with God's calling comes God's enabling. Would you say that with me? With God's calling comes God's where God guides, he provides. God says, now Joshua, I'm not going to call you without providing for you. And God's not going to ask you to teach a class or sing in the choir or begin, begin involved in, in tithing. He's not going to call you to do something without enabling you to do it. And here he says, now, here's what I want you to know. I've already provided you with the land, Joshua. I, I want you to know that I've provided you with a place. And notice that in verse 4, this land. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. So God says, Joshua, I have promised you the same land that I promised Abraham. Over 300,000 uh, miles uh, of land I have given to you. All of these square miles. In Genesis chapter 12, we refer to it as the Abrahamic covenant. Here in Genesis 13, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And you must recognize what the Bible says. God says, I will bless those that bless thee. I will curse those that curse thee. God says, I will bless a land that honors my people and the promise that I've made unto them. And I just am so thankful this morning uh, that we got that one right. You see, the Bible is very clear concerning the land. But if you go back to that map for just a minute, I want to show you something on the land. You'll notice that the children of Israel never claimed more than about 10% of what God had promised to them. And that's very typical of the Christian life because many of us have never claimed the promises God has for us. What does God really want to do with your family and your children? What does God really want to do with your business? How does God really want to use your testimony? How does God want to use this church for his honor and glory? I don't believe we've yet to see the potential tapped on what God wants to do. If enough Joshua's would raise up and say, Lord, use me to be a soul winner. Use me to be a godly man of God. Oh, how I challenge you tonight to be that Joshua this morning, to be that uh, Mrs. Joshua, that faithful servant. God says, with my calling comes my enabling. God says, I I'm going to give you the land. But notice, secondly, he says, I'm going to give you the protection that you need. Joshua, I'm going to protect you in this battle. Most of you know the story that if Joshua was going to go into the promised land, he's going to have to fight the seven nations of the Canaanites. He has to go to Jericho first. I've been to Jericho. I've seen the foundations of that city. Even after all these thousands of years, Thousands of years later, you can still see the huge foundations of that city upon which the walls fell. And God says, Joshua, I will be there with you. Notice, if you would, in verse 5, he says, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Boy, we can't stand around and say, well, you know, God was with George Washington and God was with this pastor and God blessed that generation. What we're going to do is trust that God will protect us in this generation. 
I think it probably looked a little hopeless in 1776. Thank God some men had faith. It probably was a little hopeless back in the days of Joshua. Thank God that he had faith in the Lord. And God says in verse 5, I'm going to stand before you. We're going to defeat those, land, uh, those nations of the Canaanites. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. John Adams simply wrote, it must be felt that there is no national security but in the nation's humble, acknowledged dependence upon God and his overruling providence. Listen today, we need to keep our, our confidence in the Lord himself. This is what Joshua was commanded also. So he had the provision of the land, and he had the provision of God's protection over him. But notice thirdly, he had the provision of God's presence in his life. Notice if you would, in verse number five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now, folks, mark that in your Bible. God says, Joshua, I will be with you. He says that to all of us in Matthew 28. Lo, I am with you always. I'm going to be there with you. He says, Joshua, when you go into those battles, I'll be there. Some of you are going to go to a workplace where they make fun of you or you feel like they might want to get you fired. And some of you are going to have a neighbor that bothers you. And some of you are going to try to witness to somebody that rebuffs you. God says, hey, I'm going to be standing with you every single step of the way. I will never leave you. Notice what the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, friends, today the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And if God is going to lead you into a circumstance or a situation, uh, then if God brought you to it, God can bring you through it, and he'll be with you every single step of the way and we don't need any more timid Christians we don't need to watch as the unbelievers and the wicked and the defiled march the streets of America it's time that we took the gospel back to the streets it's time that we stood up like Joshua did and proudly served and fight for the Lord Jesus Christ God called our family to Lancaster Baptist Church and we stepped out by faith and by faith, we came down to this city of Lancaster, and we just trusted the Lord to provide. And by faith, we believed that he would go with us, and we had the courage to begin knocking on doors. And I'm just here to testify to you uh, that God can still do great and mighty works. I just want our church to remember God is able, God is still able, and there are great victories still to be won, and, and great opportunities still ahead of us if we'll keep the spirit of Joshua. This isn't the time to slowly kind of backslide. Hey, this is the time to get to God's house and open the word of God and sing and pray and trust and believe. And so here we see Joshua, a man who had to remember God's calling and he had to remember God would provide for him. And if there are a few things in life that I know, one that I know for sure is that I'm saved. And secondly, that God has called me. And thirdly, that God has called me to the Lancaster Baptist Church. And fourthly, that God has provided for us every step of the way. Hey, we serve a good God and a great God, and he'll not let us down if we'll trust in him. God provides every step of the way. Where God guides, he provides. You say, well, man, I don't know if I could try that soul winning. I don't know if I could do that faithful giving in the summer. I don't know if I could teach a Sunday school class or be a little league coach. Listen, friend, if God puts it on your heart, he's going to help you get it done for his honor and his glory. Notice if you would, thirdly, not only do we remember God's calling as, Joseph, as, as, as Joshua did, not only do we remember God's provision as Joshua did, but thirdly, we have to remember God's requirements. 
You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chappell on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchappell.com and click on his social media links. While you're there, be sure to sign up for his free Daily in the Word email devotional and take a look at all the helpful resources. Again, that's paulchappell.com. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chappell serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chappell's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chappell's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchappell.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.